Hi there, I'm Quinn White, and welcome to But I'm Not an Engineer, the electrical and computer engineering podcast hosted by me, a USC journalism student who was asked to run this show. Will I learn new things? Yes. Will I be confused? Without a doubt. Join me as I talk with members of the ECE community to learn more about their work and the important role that ECE is playing in our future. In this episode, we're diving into the world of quantum theory. I talked to Ted Brunn, an ECE professor who specializes in quantum computation and quantum information theory. His research covers everything from quantum open systems and decoherence to the effects of environmental noise on quantum information processing. Confused yet? Don't worry. Todd's going to help clear that up. Let's get into it. While I was writing my questions and getting ready for our interview, I tried to, I watched a couple TED Talks about like exactly what like quantum means, but to be completely honest, I'm having a really hard time understanding exactly what that means. So can you help break that down for me? Uh, Sure. Quantum mechanics is unintuitive to most people because it uh, obeys very different rules than the ones we're familiar with at our normal human scale. Uh, It's often said quantum mechanics is the theory of very small things like atoms and molecules and elementary particles, and that's true, but it sort of misses the point, which is that quantum mechanics is actually, as far as we can tell, the underlying theory of of everything else, too. It's just on the normal human scale, the kinds of quantum effects that seem so peculiar when we're describing how atoms and so forth behave, uh, these effects are are screened out. We we don't observe them. So even though as far as we can tell, quantum mechanics is the fundamental theory of nature or the fundamental theoretical framework of nature, it uh, is something we didn't even suspect existed until the beginning of the 20th century. So it came as a huge surprise. Quantum mechanics on these peculiar effects, things like tunneling, entanglement, superposition, interference, and so forth, is what we use in in my own field. We try to apply them to practical problems in information processing. We can get the states of the computer that hold the answer to some question that we want to, to solve to interfere in a constructive way, and the ones that lead to irrelevant or, or useless answers to cancel. And this gives us a different way of doing a computation than the usual way we're familiar with. The computers we're familiar with, they're sort of in one state at a time. They have a memory, which is some string of bits that are either zeros or ones, and they kind of plod along you know, flipping bits as they make their way from the the beginning of the program to the end of the program, where that string of bits holds the answer to your question, whatever it is. In a quantum computer, you somehow explore all of these strings of bits at the same time. Uh, they're all together in this superposition, like combining waves, just like water waves, but a lot more different kinds of of uh, states all combining together. And we do this in such a way as to reinforce a particular path to, to the answer and, uh, and cancel out paths that lead us to, to, to wrong answers or, or useless answers. 
So at a very abstract level, that's the way a quantum computer works, and it's why they can be, for certain problems, more powerful than an ordinary computer. Is it even fair to say it's computing? I mean, com when you said when you said like the ones and zeros kind of plodding around, that's what I think of as like computing. It, it, in the real sense of the word, is a quantum computer computing information even, or are we just using that word because we're familiar with it? Well, there are a lot of similarities between how we program a quantum computer and how we program a normal computer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this is based on the fact that our knowledge of how to do a computation is based on ordinary computers and and even earlier on the you know, the idea of an algorithm of having a recipe for how you solve a problem mm -hmm. by breaking it down into steps. So we do the same thing um, with a quantum computer. We break it down into steps. But now these steps include some things that an ordinary computer can't do, where mm -hmm. instead of a zero being flipped to a one or a one to a zero, it may go into some superposition of being both zero and one. Mm -hmm. And this can sort of cascade to the whole computer being in a superposition of many different states. Mm -hmm. And the steps that we can take include some kinds of operations that an ordinary computer can't do or wouldn't e even make any sense. For I am interested in knowing more about your background in research. And I read that your education and background is really in physics. So I guess what I I'm really curious about is what made you land on ECE and you know stuff like quantum computing like how do you how do you get into that yeah that's a really good question so I am from a physics background all of my uh, degrees are in physics the exact same year that I got my PhD 1994 Peter Shore who was at that time at AT&T research he uh, publishes factoring algorithms so I actually was aware of the idea of a quantum computer because a friend of mine named Seth Lloyd, who is now a professor at MIT, but back then was a postdoc, he showed me some early papers about it. Just a, a tiny handful of people working on this idea at the time because it seemed very impractical, like something you could never build. And it wasn't obvious why you would want to build it. Sure. So people in these early papers, they sort of said, well, you could build a computer, it would work according to the rules of quantum mechanics rather than the usual classical rules. The, the people who worked on this, a lot of them came out of physics, but some of them came out of computer science. It was very interdisciplinary. Some of them were pure mathematicians. People got really suddenly interested in quantum computing as a discipline, and uh, money started to become available to support research in this area. And, and basically, people like myself who worked in quantum theory, and there were not a ton of us at that time, sort of were, were all sucked into this field in the, in the wake of quantum computing taking off. Um, because a, a lot of the sort of things that we studied were very relevant if you actually wanted to build a quantum computer. I used to, uh, my joke is I used to study why quantum systems act so classical, and now I study how to prevent that from happening because uh, we really want them to behave like quantum mechanical systems. We want to prevent these effects that screen out uh, interference and entanglement and, uh, and tunneling and all of that. Physics departments were pretty conservative about hiring people working in this area, just like they were in other parts of quantum theory. And it took a long time for that to change. 
But in the meanwhile, certain other types of disciplines began to be interested because this new field drew on all kinds of different fields of knowledge. It, it obviously drew on physics because it was about quantum mechanics, but it drew on computer science because it was about algorithms, and it drew on electrical engineering because it, it involved information theory, which historically uh, has resided in electrical engineering departments. And many of the problems, like factoring, come out of pure mathematics. So it drew on mathematics. The types of systems, some of them were very relevant for chemistry. So it drew on people out of chemistry. So you had this big stew of people from different disciplines all working in the area. And here at USC, in the ECE department, which was just the EE department at that time, a couple of the faculty members got interested in quantum computing and said, we should be hiring people to work in this area. And I was lucky. I, I, I found out that there, there, this possibility existed at a time when it was really hard to get a job in a physics department. And they were pretty welcoming, even though my degrees were, were in a different field. And I've been here ever since. So one of the things, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm understanding from what you're saying, quantum computing really and quantum theory really has extremely broad, like the work is extremely broad and it uh, can apply to, like you were talking about atoms and like how it kind of can apply to everything. And I understand that. What I'm kind of wondering now is where else do we see these examples of quantum theory in our day-to-day -day life. In our normal activities, we're mostly not aware that quantum effects are playing a role. It, it's sort of there underneath a lot of stuff. So a lot of our modern technology using microchips and things like that, you know, quantum mechanics under underlies all of that technology. It, it kind of lays the groundwork. So the, the world that we see is mostly the classical world, the world that was figured out by Isaac Newton and, and that crowd. And it works really, really well uh, until you start looking in the odd corners of, of physics where, where suddenly uh, the rules don't seem to apply anymore. I might not notice these things just like walking around. However, they're really important. So how can you kind of explain how is something that we can't really see or like we have such a hard time understanding how does the study of this, like why is this kind of work so important? How does it make the world a better place? I think understanding how nature works is important, even if it doesn't have any practical benefits at all. And I think that understanding, you know, all of science really is, is our attempt to develop that understanding about everything that we know about the world. It's one of the huge legacies of our civilization, right, and, and, and one that's continually growing. Luckily for us, it also has practical benefits. As we've learned more about the way the world works, we've been able to use it to develop new kinds of technology. So a lot of our electronic technology, which is a huge thing now, um, has come out of our improved understanding of quantum mechanics and um, material science and chemistry and so forth. You know, as people developed computers, they had applications in mind and, and not necessarily the ones that turned out to be the most important ones. And as computers have grown in power, 
new new applications have come along. Now, I, I don't know if the impact of quantum computers will be anywhere great as great as the impact of uh, regular classical computers has been. That's hoping for a lot. Can you tell me how ECE specifically is well suited to approach quantum challenges? Um, ECE is is itself a kind of very broad interdisciplinary discipline. We, we kind of treat it as one thing, but of course it, it covers an enormous range. It's a, it's a field of, of tremendous breadth, and, and the department here at USC is very broad. It draws itself on physics because the electrical side is very much grounded in, in the physics of electromagnetics, Maxwell's equations, uh, to computer science, sort of the algorithmic way of thinking about solving problems. The tools that we have used to build our theory of how quantum computers should work draw very heavily from the way the classical computers work. I mean, this idea of breaking things down into elementary steps that we go through, that's very much drawn from computer engineering and uh, computer science and electrical engineering. So in that sense, I think ECE is, is, is really a, a, a very um, reasonable place for an effort in, in, in quantum technology. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense that this um, like quantum like quantum theory specifically is extremely broad and ECE is extremely broad, so I, that makes sense that these two broad things would probably work well together. Yeah. And they draw on a lot of the same background fields, right? I mean, they're interdisciplinary and they're in a kind of similar nexus of, of different fields. What piece of advice would you give to students who are interested in quantum theory but aren't quite sure where to start? If they think this is something they would actually like to do, then there are classes that we offer in quantum computing, mostly at the graduate level. Uh, we're starting to, to do more at the undergraduate level as well. Last year, I co-taught a class in the physics department with a professor there, Paolo Zanardi, who's, who also works in quantum computing. We were, it was a, a, a basic quantum mechanics class aimed at engineers, uh, but where we, we did actually talk about quantum computing and things like that so that they could get some idea of what, what goes into that. Uh, and of course, students here are always welcome to come and talk to me or the other faculty members who work in this area. Thank you for listening to another episode of But I'm Not an Engineer. To listen to past or future episodes of this podcast, please visit uscece.podbean.com or search But I'm Not an Engineer on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow usc.ece on Instagram to stay up to date on new episodes and other exciting projects from the Electrical and Computer Engineering Labs. For the Viterbi School of Engineering, I'm Quinn White. Thanks again for listening.